Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 138 of the Adventures in Angular show. This week on our panel, we have Alyssa Nichol. Hello, hello. Joe Eames. Hey everybody. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv. I'm just going to encourage you real quick to submit to the call for proposals for Angular Remote Conf. It's an online conference, so travel costs, don't worry about them. Um, we also have a special guest this week, and that's Hussein Jirdi. I hope I said that somewhat close to right. Oh, that is actually really, yeah, that was good. All right. You want to introduce yourself real quick? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I live in Toronto, Toronto, Ontario. I work for a company called Rangel.io. Um, they're a JavaScript consultancy. So we build mobile and web apps for clients. Um, it's strictly focused in JavaScript. Um, and I've been living in Toronto for the past six, six and a half years now. Nice. Now, um, I guess I should disclose, though I didn't realize you worked for Ringle.io until you put your information in, but Ringle used to be a sponsor. So if people Ooh, care. I had no idea. Yeah. That anyway. is awesome. Um, so yeah, so I brought you on because I ran across an article that you wrote about progressive web apps with Angular. And I keep hearing the term, and so I, I read your article and I read a few other articles, um, and it seems like there's sort of a cohesive idea around what progressive web apps are, but a lot of it just seems to be, okay, use these awesome tools and it'll be a progressive app. And then others seem to be more about the idea of, you know, sort of available on any browser on any device. So am I missing something here? Cause it seems like there are connections that are just not quite being made for me. Um, no, no, I think I, I think you sort of experienced what I did when I started looking um, and reading more about the topic in general. Um, you're right. So there are a lot of tutorials online that sort of just gloss over the different tools that progressive web apps have without actually going into any detail. And I sort of wanted to, I wanted to actually build an app that I could say, hey, this is a progressive web app and actually really talk about how I did it. So you're right. So essentially progressive web apps are apps that just use some newer technologies to provide a user experience similar to that of a native app. Um, so it really isn't black or white. It's more so of a spectrum. There are a number of different things you can add to your app. Um, and in order to make that progressive, you can do so. So, so then uh, what, what is, um, what is a progressive web app then exactly? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, are you trying to figure out how to stay current with Ruby and rails? I'm putting on a two-day online conference called Ruby Remote Conf. You can check it out at rubyremoteconf.com. Like I said, it's a two-day conference where you can come and listen to speakers and experts from all around the world talk to you about issues pertaining to Ruby and web development. We have an online Slack channel, a roundtable discussion on Zoom, and all of the talks are given over Google Hangouts, and all of the talks will be streamed to you live. Come check us out at rubyremoteconf.com. What is a progressive web app then exactly? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think a good, a good backdrop will pretty much talk about how um, mobile users view the web in general. So mobile users still spend significant amount of time viewing the web through the browsers. And the general experience with many web pages is that they're unfortunately slow. I think this is because we've become accustomed to using, you know, our powerful desktop machines and laptops with fast and reliable network connections but mobile devices aren't nearly as powerful. And network connections could be much slower or even non-existent at times. So when you visit the same web page on a mobile device, you, you mostly always get a much slower experience. Um, yeah, but that's an, easy, matter, yeah. that's an easy mistake to make just because th those are the machines we're developing on, right? So you just fire it up, it works, and you move on. You know, it's not like people are doing this on purpose. You're 100% right. And what a lot of browsers are now doing is they're sort of adding tools that you can add to your web app in order to make it a lot better and a lot smoother, even on mobile or, and not just mobile. The whole idea is any device you use, you sort of get a really good experience. So like, what's an example of one of those tools? Exactly. Um, so there are a few things, a lot of PWAs, I'll call that because I feel like it's easier to say, um, have in common. So um, first of all, they're progressive and they can work for every user in every browser. They're responsive, work for different screen sizes. 
They can be accessed directly with the URL. And now when I say these tools, there are a couple of cool things you can do, such as you can give it the capability to actually install it to your home screen with an icon. So it feels like a native app. So when you actually click the icon, it actually it shows you a splash screen and it shows you a full, a full page and a full width um, application without a URL bar. So it feels like an app. Um, there's another thing you can do is you can make, you can have offline support. So it works with poor connections and it can actually even work with no internet connections. Um, another thing you can do is you can add push notifications. Um, something else you can also do is background syncing. So the whole idea is there are a lot of things that make native apps feel native. And what progressive web apps are trying to do is sort of allow you to add this functionality to a web app. By the way, so I hate websites whole... with push notifications. I, I, yeah. And I actually haven't explored using push notifications. Um, and I sort of agree with you. I feel like if it's something you don't need to use, you shouldn't use. Um, but I feel like if you're trying to make a sort of app that leverages that, then it could be something you can explore. And I feel like you can also always have the user opt in because personally, I, I always go to the settings and turn them on. So <laughs> uh, I love I, I, I love push notifications. I'm all about that life. <laughs> I need 45 notifications on my phone, or I do not feel like a complete human being. That's right. See, exactly. Joe gets me. <laughs> I, I, only, I only get two pings per second. I don't feel loved. <laughs> so so you're out. Sorry, Joe, you go. Oh, uh, is all of this stuff enabled because of what's actually on a mobile platform, on the mobile platform? So, like, if phones weren't the way that phones were, like, if we went back to, a, if I had an iPhone 2, does all this stuff not work? So, the idea of actually um, adding all this stuff to your web app is if you're using Google Chrome on your iPhone 2, you can still have all these features. And I think that's what makes progressive web apps to be different is the idea is you're literally building something for any user in any device. It's just that the browser is now letting you do so. Gotcha. So the browser just has to have these capabilities and then it all runs through that. Exactly. So the browser has a couple of capabilities. Google Chrome is really doing awesome at this. Firefox is doing a really good job. Edge is now sort of getting on board. Um, Safari is obviously trailing behind here. But I yeah, assume so Safari like, tries to like shut it all down because they want you to build everything in the app store. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think that's a good, a good way to probably put it. And you're right. There's a lot of things that you can do in a lot of different browsers that you can't do in Safari. Oh, I was just wondering how that works because if you are like you're saying you can icon um, that would click and open it. Is that only on desktop? Because I assume you have to go through the app store if you have an iPhone in order to get or are you talking about it would just like potentially make like a bookmark icon or something? So no, no, that's actually a really good point you brought up. So if I have an iPhone and if I go to any web page, I can literally just open the settings up and I can say add to home screen. And what that will do is it'll actually just put the web page on my home screen. And even with Safari and iOS, you can give it icons. You just need to give it a few icons and specific meta tags in the index HTML. Now, for okay, and so yeah. these technologies, do they like wrap it basically with like a button almost of like download our apps? So it's like a it's like faking downloading or no, you still have to tell them to go and like through the settings, do it. Exactly. So. So again, so with Safari and iOS, it's literally you just have to go to the settings and do it yourself. You can literally do it with any web page. And the idea is if you were on a good Wikipedia page, you can always just add it to your home screen and read it later. But what Chrome is trying to do, and they can only really do that in Android right now, is you can literally add some stuff to your web page and say, and actually show a little banner to the user. So if the user goes to your website, like, you know, for multiple visits with five minutes in between, that banner can pop up and say, hey, why don't you add me to your home screen? So the capabilities are still the same. You still actually have to open settings and you just have to click add to home screen. But like Google's trying to make that a little more of a smooth experience. It seems like there are a lot of comparisons here between do we want a mobile app or do we want, uh, you know, like a native mobile app or should we have a web app that does a lot of the same stuff? And it seems like the experience is somewhat on par. So why wouldn't you just build a native app? Um, 
That's a really good question. And I think that's something everyone sort of thinks about when they sort of want to build something. Um, so I think about native apps in general is that if you wanted to build, for example, an iOS app, you need to build it in Swift, Objective-C. If you wanted to build for Android, you'll need to build it in Java. And there's always hurdles and different things you need to cross, right? But if you just wanted your web app to just work really well on mobile, you can just literally add, I don't know, a few configuration settings here and there, install a few libraries, and it can work really well on mobile without actually having you worry about building an entire native implementation. Gotcha. So that, yeah. So you have these progressive web apps and they kind of work everywhere. Um, you know, most of these capabilities are available on most devices. And I'm assuming it just fails gracefully um, when mm-hmm. those capabilities aren't around. Yeah, that is correct. And the core idea of progressive apps is that they need to work well for everyone and anyone. So even if your browser can't support, you know, offline capability or can't support push notifications, they still need to work smoothly. So the app should still be really responsive um, and it should work even with decent connections. And this is one where one thing about progressive web apps is if you're saying that it needs to work for everyone, the idea is it should also work with JavaScript disabled. And I think that's a bit of a touchy subject with developers in general is that why should I really spend so much time making my web page work without JavaScript? But the core tenet of progressive web apps is they should work well for anyone and everyone. Um, so if you're implementing server-side rendering or other tools to actually make it work without JavaScript, then that's a plus. It doesn't have to be your whole app that works without JavaScript, but it could be part of it. Gotcha. So, so how do you do this? And more specifically, how do you do this with Angular? Yeah, no, good question. Um, so I think there's, there, there are, just like you mentioned earlier in the talk, Charles, there are a few different things about progressive web apps that people talk about. And they're sort of, I think it's nice to just put them in a central place. Um, so one thing that I use is a little tool called Lighthouse. And it's an awesome, awesome tool built by the Chrome team that lets you measure how well your page is doing in terms of progressive capabilities. And why I mentioned, why I bring it up now is because it's a really nice way to sort of see what it takes to make a progressive web app. Um, what it does is it essentially runs a number of tests and generates a report with a score on how well your app is doing. Um, you can install its node CLI or you can use this Chrome extension, which in my opinion is a lot easier. So it doesn't like run continually. You just open it up and run it at one point and it'll generate like this report for you. Exactly. So, okay. and the nice thing about it is if you have it as a Chrome extension, you can literally go on any web page, literally run it once, takes about a minute or two, and you can just see how well the page is doing. And it actually gives you a score out of 100, which is really cool. Um, so you, you said that you built like a sample app that you wanted to be able to point to and say, this is a PWA? I did. I did. Um, so did you rank it on with this lighthouse or? I, I did, yeah. So what I did was when I was actually building it for the very first time and I stumbled on Lighthouse, I sort of just wanted to see how well it was doing from the get-go. It was failing, obviously, because I really didn't have any progressive mm-hmm. elements to it. Um, and then I slowly just added one thing after the other. And then every time I just run the actual report, I'll just see the score go up. And it's not hard to get your score up. I think it's just, it's a nice way to sort of see all the different aspects that you can sort of add to your app. Um, and there are things like, for example, push notifications that isn't on Lighthouse because it really isn't fair to say, hey, your site isn't, doesn't have push notifications. That's something that you can choose, right? But for example, something that like, hey, this can actually work offline is a pretty big deal. So your, your website will actually get graded on that. Um, but to sort of like go back to what you said, Joe, um, yeah, so there are a number of different things. And to really go into like more technical terms of how you can actually implement it, and especially in an Angular app. Um, so the first and foremost, the first thing your app needs to do is it needs to be served over HTTPS in order for a number of different progressive technologies to work. Um, otherwise, you really can't make it progressive if it isn't secure. Um, the first thing is we can talk about here is how can we actually make it work offline? So there's something called a service worker that you may have heard of. And a service worker is essentially a script that runs in the background of your browser when you view a web page. It doesn't actually interact with your web page, but acts like a middleman by responding to events such as network requests. 
So question is, how do we actually add one? Is the first thing you need to do is make sure the browser that the app is running supports the service worker API. So you can do this by adding a simple script tag to index.html that checks if it's available, and if so, register that service worker file. And now that service worker file is sort of where all the logic is. You can actually write the file up yourself. Um, the logic really isn't too complicated. It's pretty much of writing, it's, it's pretty much a matter of installing the actual service worker, then creating a cache and caching those asset files and network requests and returning them. However, most people really don't have the time or probably don't want to write the logic themselves. Also, this poses a problem when building an application for something like Angular because you definitely don't want to keep updating the service worker every time you do a change to the app and do a new build. Um, and this is where different libraries come in. So the Google Chrome team built a library called SW Precache, and it's a library that generates a service worker for you and integrates right into your build system. So all you do is you write up a simple configurations file, and then you can literally just add it to your build script in package.json, or even add it to your CI script. And what it does is every time you run a build, it literally generates that service worker file. So now, whenever you're actually building your app, you have that service worker file always being updated, and since you, you, you're checking for an index.html, you'll also check for that. Um, but like what exactly does service worker really do? So I think with service workers, the first thing people think about is working with poor or no connection. So as I mentioned, service workers are like a middleman. And what they do is they cache resources and then return them to the user. So the user doesn't actually have to do the network request again. So the first thing you can think about is there's an app shell. So an app shell is literally the minimal HTML, CSS, JavaScript that makes up the shell of your app. Um, this could be a toolbar, a loading icon, a footer, et cetera. And the idea is in a progressive web app, the app shell is cached after you load your app for the first time. This means that for every repeat visit, the cached assets are immediately retrieved from the service worker. So with, if you're using a library like SWP cache, all you need to do is set up that configurations file and just tell it, hey, I want these files to be pre-cached. So in an Angular CL CLI app, um, you can literally say, I want all the HTML, the CSS, the JavaScript files in the disk folder and make sure that gets pre-cached. And the idea is when you launch the app for the first time, um, those resources will sort of get cached by the service worker. And then when you try to reload the app again, your service worker will literally return that app shell immediately as opposed to actually having you request those assets. Um, the second thing that sort of really makes offline support work is dynamic content. So an app shell really makes your app load faster, but doesn't complete the picture on its own. So the next thing you need to sort of think about is API calls. And if you're using something like SWP cache, you can just add a brand new configuration and say, hey, every time this API call gets hit, I want you to cache the result. So if a user reloads a page and there's no internet connection, show them the cached result as opposed to the actual API result. Huh. Wow, that sounds really cool. I, I like knew about a lot of the requirements to make a PWA, but they all like some of them sounded daunting. And so these tools that you're telling about are actually. Yeah, and that's exactly right. And I feel like a lot of people who aren't familiar with PWAs, they're, they're not entirely sure what exactly they need to do. But there, I feel like there's so many tools out there right now um, that to make it so easy. And the amount of work you literally put in is a good five to 10 minutes. Set up the configurations file. And once it's integrated into your build system, that's it. It's like your app can actually work offline from that point on and you don't have to worry about it. So do you just, I, I guess I'm going to back up a little bit then because, you know, we talked about HTTPS, which... It's mostly just server config, um, you know, but then you have server service workers and SW precache, um, you know, and some of these other features that we're talking about here. But yeah, I mean, for me, I've not done a lot with service workers and I've done nothing with SW precache. And so you're saying it's a five to 10 minute setup, but I mean, I, I just have no idea. And so, you know, is it as easy as just adding something to the build process or, I mean, how, how do you plug this stuff in and, take advantage of it. Um, you're right. I feel you're right. Uh, with, with, with somebody who really hasn't worked with service workers at all. Yeah. You, you probably don't exactly know where to start, but it really is that simple. 
So mm-hmm. SWP cache, if you're, so something like Angular and Angular CLI, because it uses Webpack so simply, it's, it's literally a matter of just installing the SWP cache library um, and then huh. literally creating an, a script tag in your index.html to register a specific service worker file um, and then creating a configurations file where you sort of say, hey, I want this to be cached and that to be cached. And that is pretty much it. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's that simple. And if I'm not mistaken, um, about a month ago, I know the Angular mobile team actually introduced service worker capabilities into the CLI itself. So I haven't actually tried this yet, but from what I know, I think it's as simple as literally turning the service worker flag, a service worker attribute flag to true in Angular CLI JSON. Um, and I think it will literally generate a service worker on the fly. So I'm really interested in seeing how that turns out because I feel like that's even easier than trying to use a whole different library like SW Precache. So instead of turning five minutes or 10 minutes of work into down to 30 seconds, which is cool. So you set up HTTP, you set up server worker, service workers, you set up the precache. Anything else you have to do in order to make it progressive? Yeah. So I think right now all we've covered is pretty much um, making the site secure and making it work with poor or no connections. Um, mm-hmm. The next big thing with progressive apps is making it installable on your mobile home screen. Um, I know we touched up on this a bit earlier because generally with mobile, when you, when you view web pages on your mobile device, you can actually install them anyway. But what progressive web apps allow you to do is you can sort of just add a manifest JSON file and all that is, it's just a JSON file with some information. Um, so, there's, so there's a lot of so some information you can add here and there, but most importantly in that file, you just need to have a start URL attribute, which defines which URL of your app is the base URL to load, some icons of different sizes, um, as well as the app name. Now, instead of actually generating different icons, there's a really cool tool called Real Fab Icon Generator. And what, what you can do with that is you can literally upload an image um, of an icon you'd like to use for your web app. And you can literally tweak and preview how your icon will look in different mobile devices. And what it does is it'll actually generate all the markup and that entire manifest file that you'll need. So with that web app manifest, if you literally throw it to the source of your app, source of your app, and then if you try to actually open the app, again, depending on the browser you use, if you're using Chrome and Android, um, after a few repeat visits, you'll actually get a banner saying, hey, do you want to add this to your home screen? Um, and then that will sort of prompt you to be like, cool, let me actually try. And once you actually add it to your home screen, and you actually try to open the app from your home screen, you actually get a splash screen, um, which sort of shows one of the icons, the icon you actually uploaded, and then the app will load full screen and everything. So having that along with it being able to work offline is where you really start to feel more native. So you can literally go into, you know, into the subway station and lose internet connection and you can literally just open the app from your home screen. And because you've visited the page previously, it'll work. And this is where it really starts feeling more like a native app. I just think, I think it's so cool, but I just can't, can't get past how you just, how strict Apple is with like their native apps and how I don't feel like anytime soon they're going to like stop blocking things in Safari or making, I don't know, making it more possible because basically, I don't know if it's for security or what that they were like, or money, I guess, because you have an Apple license in order to go through the app store. But I, I don't know. I feel like they'd have to get on board since there's a ton of iOS users there as well. So just for no, PWAs yeah. to just be the new web, right? Yeah, you're right. And I feel like there's like so many other browsers. Hey there, this is Charles Maxwood. And I just wanted to talk to you really briefly about freelance remote conf. I'm putting on a conference for people who want to go freelance or who are freelance and bringing in some of the experts from the freelancer show to talk to you about how to find clients, how to collect money, how to build your business, how to specialize and much, much more. So if you're thinking about going freelance or you're already freelance and want to hear from the experts on how to go become or 
grow your freelancing business, then by all means, come check us out at freelanceremoteconf.com. Yeah, you're right. And I feel like there's like so many other browsers are really pushing for this. Um, Chrome and Firefox are doing amazing. Um, Opera is doing a really good job. I know, I think I'm pretty sure they have service work capabilities already working. Um, and even Edge, I think, is really looking in the next few years to really implement this. So yeah, so hopefully Safari will really um, start thinking, okay, maybe this is something we really need. But again, with Apple and Safari, things are usually a lot stricter than, I, I guess, in other places. Mm, so we'll yeah. have to see. So yeah. what about like Chrome on Safari or app on Apple on iOS? Yeah, good point, actually. So, um, so you know how I mentioned service workers is something that only work in Chrome, Firefox, and I think Opera at the moment? So if I were to actually open Chrome on my iPhone um, on a progressive web app, like the app that I built, I can actually use it when it's offline, which is cool. So I can open up Chrome, I can go to the URL, and if I lose internet connection, I can actually start using the app and visit pages I've visited previously. Um, but the thing is, with an iOS device, you can't save Chrome pages to your home screen. So I can save Safari web pages to my home screen, but I don't get that offline capability with that Safari app. So I feel like there's a, yeah, there's a bit of a mix. And I feel like with progressive apps in general, they're sort of trying to make it, sort of trying to combine all these different features and make it really feel native. And because Safari is restricting a few here and there, it's just going to make it a bit harder. Well, I mean, it's not exactly news. We all know that Apple hates us all, so. <laughs> yeah, but we keep Brian their crap, so. Yeah. That's why they tolerate us. If it wasn't for that, they'd probably wipe humanity off the earth. <laughs> do, I detect an, do I detect an Android user, Joe? Do you have an iPhone? <laughs> I, I don't. I do buy one for my wife. Okay. Oh, my phone is an Android, but my, my laptop is an iOS device. Mm-hmm. I used to have Android, and I, I think a few years ago, I, I was pretty much Android for years, and then I finally made the switch to um, an iPhone 6S, and I, and I like it, and I just feel like I've joined Darkside, but it's been good. <laughs> yeah, I've had an iPhone for <laughs> years, and I've been, I've been trying to decide if there are any advantages to switching to Android, but... Yeah, and I think a lot of us use Macs, so I don't know. I feel like the combination works so if i was I gonna ever, say chuck you just switched to windows didn't I you i just abandoned the mac platform for so my main if you computer can, if you can if you can drop your macbook then you can definitely switch to android like i can't believe you did that that would be even harder for me than giving up my iphone yeah so um, <laughs> to, to windows or using windows. linux oh really yeah interesting yeah i haven't so far? i haven't done a lot of heavy development on it yet and okay. some of the stuff I have to do um, either in a virtual machine or on their Ubuntu for Windows mm-hmm. command line. Yeah, okay. But for the most part, it works fine. I mean, there are a few apps that don't exist on uh, on Windows that, you know, I had to find, kind of find counterparts for. But it hasn't been that painful. I was a little bit surprised. I thought it was going to be more painful than it was. Yeah. Okay, so, no, but if awesome. you get rid of your iPhone, how will you feel superior against all those other people? I know, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> anyway, so uh, back to progressive web apps. Um, <laughs> it, part of the thing with it, having it run everywhere, especially on mobile, um, wouldn't your applications have to be responsive as well? Correct. Um, and yeah, that's sort of a core tenet. Like one of the main things about progressive web apps is if you really want it to work for anyone and everyone, it has to be responsive um, and has to fit every screen size and it has to work just like, like perfectly in every screen size. Um, so you're right. That is, that is true. Yeah. We actually did um, an episode on the flex layouts a couple weeks ago with Thomas Burleson and he talked about how that all works. So, you know, that's an option for angular folks. And, and that's, nice. That's one thing that I kind of want to dig into next is we've kind of talked about all these different pieces that go into um, progressive web apps, but you know, we're, we're angular developers, right? So does this all just kind of lie below the surface of our angular app or are there specific integrations that we have with angular 
Angular two, That's, four, yeah. six, eight. Who do we appreciate? Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a good question. That's a really good question. Um, so yeah, I, I mentioned using external libraries like wprecache, having a manifest file. But you're right. That is that's separate um, from an actual angle. What we do when we're building an Angular app. Um, but there are some fundamental things that you really need to look into when you're actually building a progressive web app with Angular. And one of the major things is really cutting down your bundle size, right? Because at the end of the day, you can have a service worker and you can have all that fancy, awesome stuff. But if your app bundle size is quite large, it's going to take a while for your app to load, especially for people with 3G networks and um, with poor mobile devices. So absolutely. So one thing you can definitely look into is applying you know, code splitting with lazy loaded routes and just having your main route and your main chunk significantly smaller can help tons. Um, that's, that's, I think, yeah. So there, there are a few things. I think it's also how you sort of develop your Angular application really comes into play. At the end of the day, your app needs to be small. It needs to be fast. It needs to be performant. Um, and then you can sort of worry about adding all these extra cool stuff. So I wanted to ask you, and it might actually feed back into, are there things in Angular that you can do? I wanted to ask you about, so you said one of the, the core tenets of PWA is that it's for everyone on every device. Um, so does that mean that there are accessibility requirements uh, that go along with the PWA as well? That's a very good question. Um, so looking at, so one of what I've seen in, um, for example, what Lighthouse grades you against, I don't know if they actually grade you against um, accessibility requirements. So the thing about Lighthouse is they'll give you a score out of 100, and then they'll have a best practices section, and they'll tell you a bunch of different things that you can improve with your app, but that doesn't necessarily fall under a progressive elements. Um, so I feel like accessibility might fall in there, but I'm pretty sure right now that they don't, you know, dock points if your website's not accessible. But it's something to definitely think about. And I think that is actually really important because if your app can work for everyone and everyone, then it really should work for people who have accessibility issues. Yeah. Um, another thing I think I can fall under um, in really building your Angular app is um, server-side rendering. So what I mentioned previously about, hey, if anyone should use your progressive web app, people who don't have JavaScript enabled should also technically um, use your app as well. So I know that Lighthouse right now will grade you. They'll give you a point if you have a no script tag in your index.html with a message that says, hey, you'll need um, JavaScript enabled to actually work with the site. So they're not too strict in that area. So with that, you can actually get away with it. But I feel like that's sort of really just having a message is better than nothing, but it really doesn't really solve the problem. Um, and I know that a lot of people have different opinions in building an app that works with JavaScript disabled, but server-side rendering on its own can really help because actually having server-side rendering can reduce the perceived time of load significantly, right? And again, with progressive web apps, if you really want your app to load as fast as possible for people with no or poor internet connections, having that can really help. So if I'm building a new app, is this something that I should be building in from the start? Or is this something that I should be layering in after I understand how my application is going to be architected? Um, I honestly think it's, even if you don't start adding these elements from the start, it really, for majority of apps, I feel it really isn't that hard to sort of add at the very end if you feel like it. But I think once you've actually tried to add a service worker into the app and actually just thrown a web app manifest file, you realize how simple it is. Um, so I think any, like for now, I know for myself, any app or side project that I start, I will automatically just make sure that I have a service worker library in there um, and a manifest file and I'll just work on my app. If I want to add push notifications in a future date or if I want to add background syncing or stuff that's a little more complicated, but also relates to progressive web apps. I can do that later. But I feel like the core elements, you should be able to do it right from the get-go. 
I really want somebody to just build me a framework for this. <laughs> right. <laughs> what do you mean? So, so for example, I just, you know, I just include the angular slash PWA module and it just pulls in the service worker stuff and the, the pre-cache stuff and, you know, just sets it all up so that it's all kind of just there. And then it, it kind of walks me along the path of, okay, this is how you configure your caching. And this is how you, you know, delegate stuff to the service worker, or it just automatically delegates the lazy loaded stuff to the service worker or stuff like that. Right. I think that's possible, but I don't think it's fully like it feels very objective at this point. Um, like the definition of a PWA, right. Mm -hmm. Like certain people have, this is like the PWA style guide or how you do it or the requirements, but there is no like, and you know, lighthouse can give you a score, but nobody's going to come after you if your lighthouse score is bad and you have, you know, we have a PWA, right? Like there is no end all be all source for this yet. So I think it might be kind of hard or even misleading if you did have like a PWA framework, because there's a lot of stuff outside of including this pre-cache thing or making sure that you have these things configured. There's more things outside of that that you need to do, I think, in order to actually be qualified as a PWA. Um, So I think that's what makes it hard to, I don't know, do something like that. Yeah, I I think you're right. Um, The thing about PWAs, again, there's so much... Um, that you can add to your site to make it progressive. So it really isn't easy to be like, hey, here's how you add push notifications. Here's how you do background syncing all as a whole. Um, but I feel like Angular, the Angular mobile team really is starting to go in that direction. Um, so I know Angular mobile toolkit was a library that I think seven, eight months ago, they were sort of pushing on to make progressive web apps with the CLI a lot easier. Um, but now they're sort of really implementing that into the CLI. So if I'm not mistaken, early February, there has been a pull request merged in where you can now actually just install Angular service worker and you can just literally turn on a service worker flag on your Angular CLI JSON file and it'll actually do all that for you. So I know that they're really trying to go in that direction and yeah. and seeing where the CLI has come and Angular in general, um, you know, with AOT compilation, with the new view compiler, um, with 4.0, um, plus this, it's I, I feel like there's quite a lot that could be done with Angular and Progressive Web Apps in the future. Well, it makes sense to me, and it also makes sense in the just in the broader scheme of things when you talk about the fact that Google is one of the major internet companies that is pushing Progressive Web Apps, and a lot of their stuff is built on Angular. I could see them adding that all of that stuff in just so that they can get the kinds of applications that they feel like need to be on the web. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. And that's a good point. I feel like if anyone would really be doing and pushing a great, you know, doing a good job advocating for progressive web apps, I feel like Google um, would be the one. Yep. What about like fidelity though? Is there any real fidelity um, effects of doing a PWA, does it improve or um, reduce the fidelity of your web apps or do they just feel just like when they're in the browser when you're using them? Um, when you say fidelity, do you mean how it... Yeah, how, how it mo- looks and moves and scrolls is a really... I mean, web apps have always yeah. been a little bit down from native apps. Of course, we expect that sort of stuff, but does... Mm-hmm. Doing it as a PWA, does, it, does that by itself have any effect on fidelity or user experience? Yeah. Um, and again, I, I think the thing about PWAs, at the end of the day, they're just they're the web apps that you're currently building. It's just that they're optimized and they're using these newer technologies. So in terms of actually, you know, cutting down your bundle size, making, adding server-side rendering, adding code splitting, um, adding service workers with an app shell so it can load a lot faster on reload visits, in all those areas, yeah. So your app will feel a lot faster than if you weren't adding all those elements. But at the end of the day, it's still a web app. So when you're thinking about animations, gestures, and fidelity compared to a native app, um, even if you do install the app to your home screen, your mobile device, you can still see that it's a web app. Um, but I feel like PWAs are, instead of trying to solve that issue of making it really act like the native app, they're just sort of trying to bridge the gap. So instead of actually trying to build a native implementation, you can just make your PWA feel more native without being native at all. 
Cool. All right. Well, anything else we should talk about before we do picks? Uh, I think there, a good question to ask would be like, where are the best resources if you're interested yeah. in this to really start figuring it out and trying it out both if you are doing Angular and uh, what if you're not? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think for Angular, there really isn't too much content with specific to Angular. I know I have a blog post that sort of talks about how you can add a service worker, a web app at manifest and so forth. Um, but with progressive web app, with progressive web apps in general, um, Adi Osmani's content is always awesome. Like he writes, he has an entire series on building progressive web apps to react on Medium. And the great thing about those articles is that you can read them and you can apply pretty much a lot that he's doing to react to any app you're building. So that's super useful. Um, I feel like a good place to start is honestly Lighthouse is a great place to start. So I know Lighthouse is also based on a PWA checklist on the Google Chrome site. Like that's really straightforward, but what that does is it actually breaks down every single aspect and sort of explains it. And I think that's a great place to start to understand, oh, okay, I can add this and I should add that. And I can add that. Um, hopefully in the next year or so, there'll be more and more, you know, people sort of talking about it and sort of pushing for progress web apps. And hopefully we'll see more tutorials and videos. But yeah, adios money. Um, Alex Russell also does a great job. His talks are awesome. Um, and there's a few other Google developers also that really push for offline support and progressive web apps. So definitely keep an eye out for that. All right. And if people want to follow up with you or see what you're working on these days, where do they go? Yeah, you can reach me on Twitter, on LinkedIn, email, call me. Um, honestly, I think Twitter is probably the best option. Um, what's your handle? My Twitter is at H D J I R D H. So it's H and my last name. Um, yeah, I think that's the best way to can reach me. Does your team need to master AngularJS? Oasis Digital offers Angular Bootcamp, a three-day in-person workshop class for individuals or teams. Bring us to your site or send developers to ours, angularbootcamp.com. Um, yeah, I think that's the best way to can reach me. All right, well, let's go ahead and do some picks. Alyssa, do you have some picks for us? <laughs> Um, so I was recently working on a website with my husband and we're super nerds. So we both are gamers and we play Destiny and Overwatch and et cetera, et cetera. And we watch this one gamer who live streams and does like recorded videos and stuff. And his name is Mr. Fruit. And so we actually, I helped him a little bit. He mainly did it, made um, a site and it's fruitnation.io so go check it out if you want to see how nerdy, nerdy we are but it's basically just a website to go and vote on your favorite fruit video for the week so yeah a nerdy tidbit of fun <laughs> alright Joe do you have some picks for us oh I sure do um, so I recently went and saw the King Kong movie and it was good it wasn't amazing, but it was good. Good enough to see. So I definitely want to recommend that. And by the time this comes out, Star Wars Rogue One will be out on video. So I highly recommend. <laughs> if you have not seen it yet, go pick it up. You must absolutely go and pick it up. And then finally, I've been hearing a lot about Wallaby JS, and I myself actually haven't checked it out yet. But it's a testing tool that is a got a add-in for Visual Studio Code, and it marks which lines of your code have been covered by tests and which haven't. It is a paid product, uh, but it looks really awesome. I hear a lot of people say really a lot of good, great things about it. So uh, I was doing a workshop this last weekend with John Papa and Dan Moline, and there were some people talking about it, and John Papa was too, and showed me some of the stuff that he'd done with it, and it looks really awesome. So I like to pick that. I like that innovation, especially in areas like testing. And those are my picks. Very nice. Um, I'm going to jump in with a couple of picks. Um, the first one, and uh, I did this on JavaScript Jabber as well today, but... Um, I set up a forum for Adventures in Angular a long time ago, and it just never took off. And 
part of my issue with it was just that I'd have to sign in to remember to see stuff and I don't check my email super often. So, um, you know, probably a couple times a week. So, um, I would always fall behind. And so I think it remained a ghost town. So I decided to try again with Slack. Um, the reason I'm setting it up is because a lot of people are talking about, you know, how do I connect with people? How do I, um, stay current and things like that. And so I wanted to create a community where that was sort of the focus. Um, as well as helping support the show. So if you go to adventuresinangular.com slash slack, um, you can go ahead and sign up. It's going to be $10 a month. And the reason that I'm doing that one is, is that I found that if I make people pay, then we tend to avoid some of the issues of trolling and things like that. Um, you know, cause then people who actually want to be in there are in there. The other thing that it does is it'll allow me to, I would like to set up monthly webinars. Um, so basically, uh, talks by people in the community, um, to come in and, you know, share their expertise with us. And I'd like to be able to pay those folks. And so I'm going to use, uh, some of that money to do that. Um, I'm thinking that I probably need about 40 or 50 people in the Slack paying, um, before I can start lining up speakers, but then, yeah, I'm going to be planning on doing that every, every month and just kind of doing it as a, an online users group for lack of a better term. And then we would actually just stick around after the call on zoom or something and people can just chat with each other or they can, you know, spin off and you can actually call each other through Slack. So if, if any of that sounds good to you, then go check it out at adventuresinangular.com slash Slack. And I'm planning on inviting all of our panelists and past guests. So we should have a pretty good group of people in there uh, for you to interact with. But yeah, anyway, um, so that's something that I've been working with. And then I've also been playing with a framework called serverless, um, which allows you to push node JS code. Now it's node 4.3. JS code to Amazon AWS Lambda. Um, Lambda supports Python and C Sharp and Java, and I think they're working on Swift as well. Um, so, you know, you can do those other languages, but, you know, serverless just lets you push up a, a JavaScript file, and it makes it pretty easy to pull in, like, NPM libraries if you need them. So that's been pretty cool, and I'm, I'm pretty excited about the opportunities there. But uh, that's the tool that I'm actually using to um, get people invited to Slack because Slack doesn't have a direct integration that lets you invite people to your team. Um, so I kind of had to go around a, a roundabout way from WordPress to um, Zapier to Lambda and then to Slack. So anyway, it works. You get an e email inviting you to Slack pretty much within a few minutes of signing up. And uh, yeah, it all works pretty well. So um, go check it out. Um, and I'm really looking forward to connecting with a lot of you there. And, uh, yeah, that, those are pretty much my picks. Uh, Hussein, what are your picks? Um, so the first thing I can think about is a library called angular SSR. So it's angular dash SSR. And the whole idea of this library is sort of really making server side rendering in your angular app, really simple and really easy to use. So I know in the past few months, um, server side rendering in angular hasn't been the easiest thing. And this library is quite new, so I actually haven't given, the, haven't had the chance to try it, but it looks really, really promising. So definitely check that out. Um, the next thing would be a cool app my twin brother built actually, um, and it's called City. And it's built with React, but the whole app is essentially a cost of living comparison tool where you can sort of pick a city and then pick another city, and it'll tell you how much you need to make in order to live comfortably. Um, so it's spelled C I. TII.io, um, and it's progressive. I had to put a PR up and say, hey, we got to make it progressive. And it works offline, which is cool. Um, and the last thing I can think about is Logan. So I don't know if anyone's seen Logan. I only watched it um, a few days ago. And I'm not a fan yep, of the not. whole superhero genre. I think I've, there's been so many movies out there. Um, but I think it's one of the best movies I've seen in years. Like, it's outstanding. Um, really? Yeah. It was wow. amazing. And again, like I, I, I feel like the last few X-Men movies I really didn't like. And the reason why I say that is because this one isn't a superhero movie. And I think if you watch it, you sort of see why. But it was great. It was an awesome movie. So definitely check that out if you're interested. I definitely back you up on that one. But I'm kind of a sucker for all of the Marvel movies. Fair so. enough. Yeah. <laughs> but you liked it, though, at least, which is good. Oh, I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I didn't want to see it because the X Men movies got just got progressively worse. So yeah, and yeah, I, it's I an entirely oh different kind of movie. You're breaking my heart. I feel like this <laughs> is like you're you're kind of like warred with you know Star Wars right now with the that <laughs> with the superhero movies you're hurting me like physically <laughs> oh, no, wow. and i and i sort of i related and i i feel like maybe for me i also sort of felt that the past superhero movies um even avengers 2 you know civil war i feel like for me i didn't enjoy them as much so i needed something i don't know quite different and i feel like logan did a great job in the area yeah i would still classify a lot of the avengers movies with those characters in them uh the latest yeah. ones is, is at least good if not great they, they were decent 100 yeah. I, I didn't really hate them right yeah. but i felt like i don't know but maybe the, it's the, just the, me. the last well, x-men no movie Wars. the last <laughs> x-men movie was just uh, yeah yeah i mean th- there were some clever parts you know with the time travel thing but mm-hmm. uh, anyway um so yeah yeah i every- i uh i just saw life have you guys seen the, the previews for it? Uh-uh. Yes, it's, I've, it's got like really good reviews. And yeah. it's, it's saying so, like, it's really innovative I don't know in this if genre. I'm just dumb or... <laughs> okay, we're just probably going to go with that. Should, should we didn't... wrap this up and take this uh, off, <laughs> oh, uh, off the show? <laughs> we totally can. Yeah. We totally can. Are you sure? I think people want to listen to this banter more than anything else you say. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say that I didn't realize it was a scary movie. Uh, so just, you know, a warning. Oh. If, if you uh, are going to go see it and you're like me, it is scary. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's go ahead All and wrap right. this up. Thanks for coming, Hussein. Um, Thank you. We will wrap the show up and we'll catch you all next week. Peace out. See you guys. All right. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.